Brother Mark? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Amen. Well, it's a privilege to introduce uh, our first speaker tonight, uh, Brother Bill Wrench, again, pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church in Temecula, California. Uh, it's interesting to know uh, these two men don't just pastor in the same state. They're really lifelong friends. Amen. Uh, they went to school together uh, at what was then Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College, which is now Heartland Baptist Bible College. They've also been very uh, involved in the school, which is why uh, they came into my life. And I thank God for the friendships that we have developed by way of the college and the stand that's been taken and continues to be taken, praise the Lord. But uh, Brother Bill Wrench has a, a become a dear friend, and I love to hear him preach. Uh, still remember when you preached graduation commencement service. That was a blessing. And uh, you're in store for a treat by both of them tonight, but I'm looking forward first to hear from Brother Bill. You come, Brother Bill. Amen. All right. Thank you, Brother Lydic. So good to be here, and what a great group of men, I tell you. It's good to see manly men. I mean, in California, we, we're a little rare over there. <laughs> We don't worry about the restrooms over there. Anybody can go into anyone. Doesn't make any difference. <laughs> We're glad to be among men. Uh, but no, Brother Stevens and I are trying to be the exception to the rule out there in our churches. They're full of men like yours. Uh, and we thank God for that. We, uh, Brother Lydic, I didn't want him to come up anymore after that last case. He'd already, we started out $40 in, on our sermons, and it got down to $5 for the whole set. So uh, by the time we're done, we'll probably have to pay you to take our sermons. <laughs> so, wait, it's going. So, so my brother Diorio is pretty excited about finally getting the opportunity now to be the guy who invites the guest uh, preachers. I understand he's going to have Joel Osteen next year. And so uh, that'll be pretty exciting, bring a crowd. <laughs> so... Uh, Good to turn it over to that younger generation and let them make decisions, you know. <laughs> well, we've had a good time. We, uh, it's like old home week. I've seen a bunch of guys that uh, uh, here at the meeting that we uh, know, have known for years. I was surprised to see Brother Ruick, Brother Ruick, uh, and uh, he was um, in charge of the uh, singing group when my daughter was uh, at PCBBC. It was in the transition year between the move from PCBBC in, in uh, San Dimas out here to uh, uh, Oklahoma City. And, and that summer, Brother Ruig and his family were traveling with the uh, singing group, and they were going, and they were just telling people, we're not real sure what the name of the place is that we're representing now or where it's going to be, <laughs> but uh, well, we're singing for you, and we want you to come and enroll in the fall. And so, uh, uh, so Nicole has had some great uh, memories of uh, the Ruigs and the travel, and I understand some of Brother Rook's, I met some of Brother Rook's kids or, or kids-in-laws uh, here today, too, so that's a blessing, and it's good to see uh, Brother Caleb singing uh, here. He was out with us with uh, his uh, brother Josh and uh, his wife uh, for a vacation Bible school. Let, get him to tell you the story of that travel that summer. They, the scheduling left a little bit to be desired, I think, in one place they, they were scheduled in, and uh, he was shown to his room for the night. It was a storage room uh, out in the back, and it, uh, the only accommodations were a baby crib, and so he had to roll up in a baby crib that night and sleep in a storage room. So he's got some, he's got some accounts of uh, his travels there that are pretty interesting, too. But we're good to see Brother Jason Jett, uh, now pastoring up north of here, three hours or so. Uh, he was a member of our church out in California at one time, and he came to his senses, got out of 
the states and uh, went to, <laughs> went back east, but uh, uh, he was. And then brother uh, brother Mark Gray, he's a little little embarrassed about it, but he did get his start in California, out of Bakersfield, out of the Oildale area, uh, there. So um, a lot of good things come out of California. And brother Stevens and I haven't uh, made it yet, so. Uh, <laughs> We're on that lower tier, you know, <laughs> so uh, it's good. Good to see Brother Jeremy Reagan. He was just out with us, too, you know. Uh, I know you guys, don't, you don't like to tell anybody, but you love to take your vacations out there in California uh, there. And so he was out there, Brother Clarence Patterson. Uh, I was uh, looking forward to the meeting, but I didn't realize Brother Clarence would be here. I should have thought he uh, would be, being that close by, but good to see him. We've been friends for years and, and uh, some of the other fellows that uh, we've been able to uh, visit with today too and have enjoyed that looking forward to the to the week let's get our bibles to uh, the book of deuteronomy deuteronomy cha- chapter 4 deuteronomy chapter 4 and uh, verse 9 i want to look at verse 9 in particular i want to read verse 9 and 10 i'm not going to take a great deal of time tonight uh, and just give you a challenge to get started with. I'm going to work a little bit on uh, something I entitled our guard duty. The next couple of two or three messages our guard duty. And I take the thought from Deuteronomy chapter uh, 4 and verse 9 and also from Proverbs 4 and 23. I'll spend more time on Proverbs 4 and verse 23 tomorrow. But uh, I want to take a look at Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9. Let me ask you to stand together and just read two verses. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9 and 10. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them to thy sons and thy sons' sons. Especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth. They shall teach their children. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you'd help us to set aside those things which would distract us from what we need to get from you and your word and your Holy Spirit tonight. We pray you bless these good men and thank you for them. I pray, Father, there be any men here that uh, have any questions about their eternal soul, that uh, this weekend be the time they'd come to Christ and, and get it nailed down and know for certain that uh, they're a child of God and heaven is their home. I pray for those of us that have had that joy of knowing for certain that Christ is our Savior and, and uh, know that we've been born again. I pray, Father, that you'd help us to... Uh, be faithful in our guard duty of, uh, of uh, our responsibility to be diligent in guarding our heart and our soul. We ask your blessing as we consider these things for a few minutes tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go ahead and be seated as we think about those two thoughts there, the term there, keep, and the term diligently. Those two words there come from words that have to do with the idea of standing faithfully guarding something. And so in Deuteronomy 4, 9, we saw those words, keep thy soul diligently. And then and again in Proverbs 4 and verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence. We'll work on that a little more tomorrow. But keep thy soul diligently and keep thy heart with all 
diligence. That has to do with a commitment to working at something. And so we're going to work on that a little bit tonight. It puts us in mind of the old guard. How many of you fellows served in the army at one time or another? Or served in the army? Praise the Lord for you guys and uh, all the servicemen. Thank God for the uh, military, and we certainly appreciate that. We are blessed by some military families in our church. And we have um, a, a sergeant major that is, oversees one of our ministries. He's a, a retired sergeant major, uh, served in uh, Iraq and uh, Afghanistan, and uh, now oversees our military ministry. He started a, uh, a ministry there among the Marines in Camp Pendleton. What a blessing that has been, and the association that we've been able to have with military personnel has been a, a real thrill to us. We had 41 men saved this last Amen. Sunday morning. We go early and uh, get up about 6 o'clock and go to Pendleton and preach there at Pendleton and then come to our services. And uh, we have the, uh, we have the uh, guys uh, there. It's just the men in this case, in our situation, just the men uh, that are going through basic training there. And they're stuck there on the base. We, they can't, we can't bring them from their basic training six weeks. They're committed there and can't go off base and that. But we are able to go right on base, preach the gospel, and every week we have just dozens and dozens of uh, young Marines uh, that are, you know, searching and uh, questioning what will happen to them if they go into combat and die, and so really open to the gospel. Uh, I was telling uh, Brother Lattix, uh, to me, the most open generation that we've experienced dealing with in, in our ministry is these, young, these youngsters, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids uh, that uh, just have never, hardly any of them been in church, hardly any of them heard the gospel clearly presented and just really open to that. So thank God for that. Thank God for you guys that have served in the army. The, uh, the most distinguished uh, unit, I guess, in the army is the, is the third, and they um, are the one called the Old Guard. They got that name from uh, Winfield Scott back in the Mexican War there uh, where we uh, took over Mexico and, and um, took over Mexico City and, and put the American flag up there in Mexico. It's a long time ago, but it did happen. We were in charge of Mexico for a while there. And as a matter of fact, Winfield Scott, they asked him to be the next dictator of Mexico. The Mexicans asked him to, do, to be the next dictator of Mexico. So that could have been, you know, our, our, a bunch of our states down there if he'd have taken advantage of that. But he said, no way, I'm not going to do that. And, and uh, uh, at any rate, the, the um, American War, uh, there was the, the root of the, the, uh, uh, the legends about the old guard. And it is the old guard that has the privilege of guarding the Tomb of the Unknowns there. And you, how many of you have been to the Tomb of the Unknowns there in Washington, D.C.? Uh, what a privilege that is. It's just a stirring thing to, uh, to be there at Arlington and, and to see that and uh, learn a little bit about it. I wanted to read you some excerpts from the, the duties of the... And this came... You know, you hear a lot of stuff about the uh, requirements for the... Uh, soldiers for the uh, for the men that have the honor of being uh, chosen as guards but I took this right from the website from the Arlington National uh, Cemetery website and I want to read you some excerpts uh, give you a sense of what uh, what a commitment is you know to to guard something and it's, uh, it says the tomb guard marches 21 steps down the uh, black mat behind the tomb he turns and faces east for 21 seconds and turns and faces north for 21 seconds then takes 21 steps down the mat and repeats the process. After the turn, the sentinel executes a sharp uh, shoulder arms movement to place the weapon on the shoulder closest to the visitors to signify that the sentinel stands between the tomb and any possible threat. 
21 is chosen because it symbolizes the highest military honor that can be bestowed, the 21-gun salute. And uh, duty time is, is not just the walking time spent uh, in front of the tomb, but uh, below in the, mil- in the memorial display room, uh, in the memorial amphitheater where they, uh, where they uh, are, are bunked, they study cemetery knowledge, they clean their weapons, they help the rest of their relief uh, prepare for the changing of the guard, and the guards also train on their days off. The guards of honor at the tomb of the unknown soldier are highly motivated and proud to honor all American service members who are known but to God. The tomb of the unknown soldier is guarded 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, in any weather by the tomb guard sentinels. The sentinels are all volunteers and they're considered to be the best of the elite 3rd U.S. Infantry Regiment, the Old Guard, headquartered Fort Myer, Virginia. And these uh, men counted a great privilege and a great honor. And you can see the commitment that is uh, there. Uh, Their training requires them to memorize verbatim seven pages of history of Arlington. They have to know the locations of over 300 uh, people, persons that are buried there, distinguished persons that might be asked about by visitors. They need to know the locations for them. And they, uh, to uh, be considered for the position, they have to pass a test Uh, of several hundred questions, they have to get at least 95%. How many of you barely passed school with 55%? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Imagine a test where you had to have 95% and you had to be able to to, uh, quote verbatim seven pages of material, fine print material concerning the history of Arlington Cemetery. And there is a waiting list for people to have the privilege of being able to walk the walk and be uh, one of those guards. They are uh, they are given the opportunity to earn a silver uh, badge that uh, distinguishes them as a member of the uh, guard and of the tomb guard. And they have to have an unblemished record that goes on after that. These, these uh, are given to, for them to keep only after nine months of continuous faithful service without a blemish on their record. And then they're allowed to keep them after they're uh, out of that uh, service, which can run anywhere from a year, two years, uh, uh, as they're in guard duty there. They're allowed to keep the, the uh, emblem, the badge, after that, the remainder of their military service if they keep a continued unblemished record, if there's no mark against them. There have been a number of cases where these have been rescinded because later in life someone has done something that's brought dishonor to the name of the old guard. And so I thought, wow, that's, you know, for a military uh, commitment like that, how, um, how high their commitment level is. And here they're committed to 365 days a year, uh, 24-7 guarding this tomb. And, and uh, we as the children of God think about our commitment to the things of the Lord. How committed are we to uh, guarding diligently that which God has given to us to guard? If they have that level of diligence to stand in front of a a tomb that's uh, uh, containing the body of an unknown soldier just for the honor of it, just for the uh, distinction of it, just for the fact of what that represents, uh, imagine how much higher our commitment ought to be to what God has told us we ought to guard. So that's the, that's the, the emphasis I want to give tonight to, the, to our responsibility here to guard uh, men. We are, uh, the context of Deuteronomy 4.9, where we started, 
is the people entering into the promised land, the Canaan land. By the way, he said we were Canaanites. Well, that's Canaan land, you know. That's where, the, that's where God's people settled, <laughs> Brother Lydic, in Canaan land. So come on over. Uh, we need to take it back from the Canaanites. And we, we need some of you Israelites to come on over and help us uh, there and get, get over where, where, the, where the action is, you know. And uh, certainly any of you uh, men that feel like you might be called to God and called to serve God, I encourage you to surrender and train. Go to Heartland Baptist Bible College and train for the ministry and come out west and help us. There's 38 million people out there and there's about 150 of us in the state that are uh, independent fundamental Baptists, you know, uh, that are trying to reach people for Christ. And so you can pick towns of 100,000 with no uh, independent Baptist witness in there and you can go and establish works in these areas. It's hard, it's expensive, it's difficult, it's, uh, uh, you know, you've you got a lot of things uh, uh, going against you there, but uh, what an opportunity it is for uh, someone to come over to Canaan land and, and help us. That was what's happening here, the entrance of the men into the promised land there and, and uh, the, uh, the Lord is setting them up for uh, what they're going to be facing. And he says, I want you to take heed, and I want you to guard some things diligently. But he said, I want you to take heed to thyself. That's the first admonition that is given. Take heed to thyself. So we're to do that today. In, in this business of our guard duty, we're to take heed to ourselves. How important that is. Why do we need to take heed to ourselves? Well, it's because... We have all we can do to keep ourselves right rather than looking at issues in other men's lives. You know, uh, It's easy, a lot easier for us to see the problems that this guy has than to see the problems that this guy has. You know, uh, And so he says, take heed to yourself, first of all. Uh, you know, make sure your own act is what it should be. Make sure that you're, uh, you're where you need to be, uh, in the right place. So take heed to yourself tonight. Are you in the right place? Are you where you need to be in the right place? Well, what's the right place? Well, the right place, for one thing, is in your Bible every day. You guys need to, need to be in your Bible every day, some time of day. You've got to be in the Word. We need the Bible daily. You guys can't do it just once a week. You can't do it just listening to the Sunday school teacher or the preacher a couple of times a week. You've got to be in the Bible every day. And if you feel like, well, I can't, start someplace. Start with five minutes. If you, if you think you can only get five minutes in, get five minutes in. But start somewhere and do it every day. You need to be in the Bible every day. You know, if you, if you would not eat unless you've read your Bible that day, you'd probably read your Bible every day. <laughs> so so uh, don't eat unless you've read your Bible every day. I was listening on the radio here uh, just yesterday, I think it was, on one of the, one of the uh, commentaries or talk shows or something. It's talking about the uh, millennial generation uh, is the average, in the survey that was taken, the average time that goes between checking their cell phone is 10 minutes. Some of you millennials here and say millennials getting bad rap, and indeed that's probably the case. We, my gener uh, uh, our gener brother Marshall and my generation, the the uh, baby boomers, you know, we were uh, we have our own sins to, to deal with as well. But uh, and I would say that probably a lot of my generation is checking their phone every ten minutes. Probably some of you are thinking, I wonder if anybody's called me. I wonder if I, you know, <laughs> so, uh, I wonder who's texted me. I wonder who's uh, emailed. I wonder who's. Uh, Snapchat or, or Instagram, you know, and every 10 minutes, every 10 minutes, 
of all their waking hours, uh, millennials, they admitted to that, that many, probably is more than that, but admitted to that often checking their phones every 10 minutes. And I thought, well, if we checked our Bibles every 10 minutes, if we read a verse of scripture every 10 minutes, he said, I can never do that. That's way too much. That's over the top. But we can check our phones every 10 minutes. You know, We can read our text every 10 minutes. We can look and see who texted us or where they, what picture came from the Instagram or who's on Facebook You know, every 10 minutes. But uh, the Word of God, the Word of God, we need to be in the Bible daily. We need to make the Bible like our snack. You know, uh, we, you think of a snack before uh, 10 minutes goes by? Why? Well, think of the Bible and be in our Bible daily. Well, what's the right place in our Bible daily? Our uh, communication with God, it needs to be daily. Our communication, that's the right place in communication with God. The right place is uh, to be in the place where God put His name there. You read your Bibles, the place where God put His name there is the house of God, where the Word of God is preached, where the people of God gather. It's the place where God chose to put His name there. And if the Bible says God chose a place to put His name there, it uh, is very clear to us that He wants us that, in that place. You know? uh, and so it's, it's very, very uh, significant that uh, that is part of your uh, guard duty to be in your place in the Lord's house uh, when the doors are open on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and revival meetings. Guys, you and me need to be there. We need to be leading the way. Our churches should be more composed of men than, than any other, than any other uh, group, you know. It ought to be men leading the way. And um, America has, has lost that male leadership, you know, and how it needs, how we need that back. So, uh, we need to be, what's the right place? It's, it's the place God chose to put His name there. What's the right place? It's the place where you're in fellowship with those of like mind, you know. Read the scripture sometime of all the passages that have to do with uh, being among those that are like-minded. And then realize that it tells us how we can be that way by having the mind of Christ. We can be like-minded when we agree on this book, you know. <laughs> And uh, when we get the mind of Christ, when we get His will, and when we follow His word, we become like-minded. We start thinking alike, you know. We start thinking alike. Probably not too many of you in here are going to vote for AOC for president, you know, because we think alike, you know. Probably not too many of you in here are going to, you know, going to champion Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders for president because we think alike. And how did that happen? You know, you came out of backgrounds that were different from mine and uh, I came out of backgrounds that are different from yours. And we came from all these different walks of life. And yet, as we grow in Christ, we get more and more like-minded. We get thinking alike. Brother Lydic was wearing his Make America Great Again hat uh, in the restaurant today. And I said, Marshall and I can't wear them in California. We get shot when we do that. We, you know, it hurts. It hurts. We have to pay the price if we wear that hat. You know, so, so, uh, but uh, we think alike because we, uh, we are in the same book and we're following the same Christ. And we think alike. So being in, the, being in the right place is being where you're among people that are like-minded. Being in the right place is being in the service of the Lord. And it's not just for preachers, it, is it? It's not just for deacons, it's not just for Sunday school teachers, but every one of us is a servant of the Lord. That's what I like about us Baptists, you know. We're just guys that are on the same plane, on the same level, 
We don't, you know, Marshall and I don't run out a side door and then make our entrance uh, to come and preach and then leave and here's the, here's the laity and here's the clergy, you know. Uh, no, that's not the way it is. So we're all on the same level, you know. We're all servants of Christ. And I, my responsibility to fulfill my role that Christ gave me is no better than your responsibility to fulfill your role that Christ gave you. We're going to get the same opportunity for the same re rewards in heaven if we're faithfully serving where God wants us to serve. And so find what that is. It's going to be in connection with your local church. It's going to be there. Uh, find where that is, what you should be doing, you know. And, you know, if it takes a while to get to the place where you, where you find that spot that fits, then let, let that be. But find that place and get in there because that's the right place. So he says, take heed to thyself. Take heed to thyself, and that's talking about being in the right place. Uh, being in the right place is being a leadership in your home. If you're a dad, a husband, you're, you're the one God is expecting to lead right. your home. And you've got to lead it first and foremost spiritually. It's got to be there, you know. Yeah. Our wives uh, should not be the ones that have to be, you know, the, the impetus to us getting up and getting going and getting with it and being there. It should be us. It should be us, men. And uh, that is the right place. So that's the first admonition that he gives to us there. It's because we, we have enough trouble keeping ourselves in the right place. And it's because self can be the most subtle enemy of all. You know, the Bible says we have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you and me like to blame the world and blame the devil for a lot of things that are really our problem, you know, the flesh problem. So we can... We're the best at lying to ourselves, you know. We, we can lie if we have to pretty good uh, if we let the devil guide us, you know. Uh, but we're best at lying to ourselves. So he, he knows the subtlety of self and the ability that we have to fool ourselves uh, into believing things that aren't so. So he's, he gives us that admonition. He says, only take heed to thyself. And the implication there is the heed to others is way secondary to taking heed to yourself. So the second admonition that he gives in verse 9 there that we just read in Deuteronomy is keep thy soul diligently, standing guard like the guard in the tomb of the unknown soldier, having that level of diligence to keeping our soul, keeping our heart. The keeping, the word keep there has the implication of the heart, like the the, in a castle, there's the castle keep. That's the guard house, the, the place where the guards were, the castle keep. And so the word there, keep, is the same, gives the same uh, uh, idea. It is the, the guarding of our soul. In the uh, Australian uh, Antarctic expedition of 1911 to 1914, um, the, Douglas Mawson headed that up. He was an Aussie. Uh, and he got together an international team of uh, 18 men, and they went to Antarctica. A ship named the Aurora took them down there, and they brought supplies enough to, to build a, a hut, 24 by 24, with a little uh, overhang side on it for the dogs. 24 by 24 hut out of wood and, you know, um, whatever, uh, whatever they could uh, uh, get for supplies into it and so forth, and they... Uh, we're going to winter there over the winter, and then um, three expeditions were going to go out. They had um, uh, about 30 husky dogs and some sleds to, to pull the uh, dogs, to, the sleds for the dogs to pull. 
And they were going to go three different directions into unexplored areas of Antarctica as soon as the um, summertime, summer season down there hit, which was the time when the sun was shining. Um, and so they, they um, uh, did that, and they wintered over and got through that winter and then went on their expeditions. One of the expeditions was late getting back because of trouble. They went out 300 miles and then uh, had to come back 300 miles uh, from where they were. It's incredible, incredible men in, in that era. It was the era of the heroic, you know, uh, explorations, expeditions. No radios, no connections, no ability to call for help. You know, you were on your own 300 miles out on the ice in Antarctica. It's like, are you guys crazy or what? You know, so, so uh but one of, the, one of the teams was late getting back, and so uh, uh, the ship that was, had come back the, after the first year to pick up in the second summer, into the second summer of the first year, the ship came back, the Aurora came back into the bay there that was just uh, you know, partially thawed out, and, and uh, it was toward the end of the summer, and so the bay was already starting to get uh, iced over again. So they waited and waited for this last group to get there, and they, they didn't come, they didn't come, they didn't come. And so they had to leave some men there. Seven men chose to stay there to, to wait and to offer aid to uh, try to find the, the remaining team that was still out. And um, they, they made that commitment, these seven men did. Uh, and the team, one, one member of the team, it was David, it was Douglas Mawson, was the only survivor. After 20 days alone on the ice, he staggered in nearly dead uh, to the camp. But the ship was just leaving, it was just going out of sight when he got there because the ice had come to the place where the ship would not be able to get out anymore. So didn't see him coming in, didn't know, no communication, no way to connect with him. And um, the ship left the seven and uh, Mawson there over to, to winter, a second winter there, uh, an unprepared for second winter there, and they wouldn't be back for a year now from that time. So uh, during that time, one of the seven men went insane from being, you know, committed to that and just the darkness and a 24-square-foot cabin and blizzards, 100-plus-mile-an-hour winds and burying the cabin completely up uh, in uh, snow and ice time after time again. Uh, one of them went completely insane, and he began to believe that all the other six were trying to kill him. And so he made preparations to try to defend himself and to kill them. So... So uh, they had to have, the other six men had to have someone on guard continuously with this uh, insane individual for that whole winter, that whole dark winter. And so they could not go to sleep without someone being on guard. Can you imagine the disaster if that one guard had fallen asleep during the time he was watching the insane man? It would have destroyed all of them, would kill, killed them all. Uh, they would have all died from, from that. It was, it's that level of diligence that uh, we're called to when the scripture says, keep thy heart, keep thy soul diligently. What happens if you don't guard your soul? What happens if you don't? Well, it tells us. We, we read it there in verse 9, the second part of it there. Look at that uh, uh, second part of verse 9. He said, Take heed to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen. So the first thing that can happen is you're going to forget things that you once knew. Forgetting the things that you already learned. In the fifth verse of that same chapter, it says, Behold, I have taught you 
statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land whether ye go to possess it. So I've taught you the word. You've learned some scripture. You've learned statutes and judgments. You've learned some of the Bible. Now he says those things we're going to forget if we don't keep our soul, keep our heart diligent. We're going to start forgetting stuff that we know. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to let that happen. To know the truth and then to forget it because you haven't applied it is no better than never knowing the truth at all, is it? Uh, so he says, keep your heart diligently because I don't want you to forget what you've already gained. I don't want you to lose the ground you've already gained. And so it's very important for us to, to understand that. Verse 6 of Deuteronomy 4 says that something more adds to that thought. It says, keep therefore and do them. For well, this is your wisdom and your understanding. See, there's knowledge. To get the knowledge is good, you know, to learn things from the Bible. But he says, keep them and do them. Do you see what happens after that, though? He says, then comes the, uh, the understanding and the wisdom part of it. And the understanding is knowing how that knowledge works together. And the wisdom is putting application to that, uh, you know, and, and putting it into practical... Uh, practical use in our lives. So those things are essential to us living the kind of lives men ought to live, fellas. And, and so uh, that's what happens. We don't guard our soul. We, we forget what we've learned and we forget what we've seen God do already. We forget what we've seen God do already. And then when we're faced with trouble, we're like the disciples who said, oh no, you know, what are we going to do with the storm out here and we're going to die, we're all going to die. And Jesus is thinking, I'm in the boat, you know, and you've already seen me do this, you know. And then they're, they're, they're in the, with the, uh, the feeding of the 4,000, they're going, oh no, what are we going to do? They're starving, we're going to die, you know. Jesus said, don't you remember the 5,000? How many loaves do you have left over then? 12, you know, and how many fish do you have? Oh yeah, you know. What happened? They forgot what, Jesus, what they'd already seen. And so if you don't guard your heart and guard your soul, you're going to forget what you've already seen God do in your life. And you're going to begin to doubt him later on. You don't want to do that. So very important. And the last thing that happens if you don't guard your soul is, is uh, that you, you'll run the risk of losing the whole generation following up after you. Yeah. Now, all of us here have an impact on a couple of generations past us, you know. You guys are all going to have impact on two generations past you. It's going to be uh, your, your sons and your grandsons generation that you're going to have an impact on. You're going to have a real influence on them. You won't have much past that. But you've got two generations you've got a good shot at. And so uh, we don't want to lose that, uh, that impact. And so you, to keep from losing that, you've got to guard your soul and your heart diligently because not only you, but the two generations past you and your family are dependent on you, you know, it's in you, it's kind of intrinsic in you, it's in your loins, you know, that these things are going to pass on to, to two generations past you, and you want it to be, you want it to be that, uh, that you've guarded your heart, and you have something that is of value to the generations following you uh, to pass on, and that's what, that's basically what he said in verse uh, 9, the last part, he says, but teach them thy sons, and thy son's sons. And then he gets down in verse 10 at the end. He says that they may teach their children. So you got that in your family. And we've got that responsibility in the nation. 
for a nation to, to go to paganism, it's just one generation away, you know, one generation away. So uh, we, we need to understand the value and the importance that uh, is placed on us, our guard duty, keeping our soul diligently. Let's bow our heads together. We'll have a word of prayer, and I'll turn it over to uh, Brother Diorio and uh, let him continue with the, uh, uh, with the um, service. All right, shall we pray?